Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Hello and welcome into another edition of Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network. I'm Davey Hudson alongside former Titan Denard Walker. We both hope you are having a great day. On this week's edition of Believe in Titans, we're going to get into the five things you need to know that have happened for the Titans over the course of the last week. We're going to get into our main story, which is discussing second round pick cornerback Christian Fulton out of LSU. And then we got time for the Titan Up mailbag. But before we get started, I want to ask, do you believe in our Titans? Because I know we do. And if you enjoy the show, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. We're available on all your favorite directories, iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, and TuneIn. And you can find us at Believe.com and at Believe Podcast. And with that being said, Denard, how are you doing today? I'm doing fine, Davey. How are you doing? Everything is all good over here. I'm really looking forward to our main story today. But before we do that, I really quickly want to get to the five things you need to know that have happened for the Titans over the course of the last week. And to kick us off with number five, the NFL and the Titans 2020 schedule was released this past Thursday. And long story short, Denard and I are going to discuss that a little bit more at the end of the show. And then we got something dropping for you later this week. So stay tuned for that. Number four, the Titans officially signed veteran cornerback Jonathan Joseph to a one-year deal worth $2 million with $1.5 million guaranteed. Joseph is going to help to look to sure up the depth on the Titans secondary. Number three, it looks like free agent cornerback Logan Ryan will be headed to the Jets. That is not official, but it is looking more and more likely as things progress with the talks between him and that organization. Number two, Tennessee Titan team president Steve Underwood retires. We will miss him and his facial hair. The team has named Burke Nihil as the new president. And last but not least, number one, Jadavion Clowney. Clowney Watch continues. I will say it does not look as though he will be returning to Seattle. Based off of Seattle's salary cap situation, it does not look as though they will be able to bring him back. So, as I have been predicting, that looks better and better for the Titans, and I still predict he will be a Titan when the 2020 season kicks off. Transitioning into our main story for today, as we get into our conversation as it relates to the Tennessee Titans draft talks, last week we spoke about first-round pick Isaiah Wilson. This week we're going to talk about Christian Fulton, and I know, Denard, this is a guy you have a lot of information on. Like yourself, Christian also played at LSU and was drafted by the Titans organization. This is a guy who a lot of people predict would be a first-round pick, and fortunately for the Titans, managed to slip to the bottom of the second. Now I'm going to pull up his draft combine stats here, but cornerback out of LSU, six feet tall, 197 pounds. Denard, when you watch Christian, what about his game stands out to you? 
Well, let me just tell you this. There's one word that comes to mind. He's tough. He's resilient and he's consistent. And let me tell you, well, that's three words, but let me tell you something. He is one of the most exciting players that I've seen in a long time. In Tennessee, I love what defensive back coach at uh, LSU, Corey Raymond, my good friend, he said about my man Christian. He said he landed in a perfect spot when the, when the Titans drafted him at 61 in the second round. I'm going to tell Titans fans right now to be excited what you're getting. You're getting a player that can come in right now, and he can start. He'll be a, he can be a first-game starter. He's that good, and they got a steal in that second round. I'm telling you, he's the real deal. Um, I know him well. He's out of Metairie, Louisiana. That is a breeding ground for talent. He's just, he's just an exciting player, but the thing that I love most about him is he's tough, and he reminds me a lot of one player in particular. You know who that guy is? Is he a former Titan? Yes, he is. I want to take a guess. Ah, uh, I want to go with Cortland Finnegan. Am I right? Oh no, no, no. Are we going back even farther, like Andre Dyson? No, we're gonna go way, way farther than that. Way back. He oh, reminds gosh. me a lot of myself, and I'm not just saying that because he went to LSU. I'm just saying that he's that guy that always plays the opposite side of the star. He played it. Two years ago in 2018, he was playing alongside Greedy Williams. A lot of people don't know Greedy was a second-round pick last year at Cleveland. This past year, he played alongside Daryl Stingley Jr., which many people believe he will be the next Charles Woodson. They believe he's so good right now at LSU, he can start at receiver. So that he's going to be a dual threat. Man. So he's the guy that a lot of people are picking to win the Heisman coming up as a sophomore. That's how good Stingley is. But again, what you like about Christian is he's tough. He's that guy that plays the opposite side of the stars, but the only thing he does is make play after play after play. That's why I'm telling the people at Tennessee, be excited at that second round, that number 61 spot. You got, you got a guy that's going to be there for a long time. You know, Denard, one of the things that really excited me about watching Christian play, and when you're going back and you're kind of looking at some of these plays from college, obviously everyone wants to kind of look at sometimes lesser competition. But what I love about Christian Fulton is how he played against the top players at the wide receiver position. And I'm going to throw you three names here. And all three of these guys were drafted within the first 33 picks of the NFL draft this past season. Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and T. Higgins. At his time, playing against those three, Fulton had 11 targets. He only allowed three catches for 39 yards zero touchdowns, and he had three pass breakups in the process. When you talk about production and limiting some of the best players that you had to go up against in your college career, you couldn't ask for much more than what he gave. You can't. You know why? Because he's the target. He is the team. This is what they're going to do. It says that when they see number one on LSU's, that's who they go at. And what he's doing is he's stacking up against the best receivers on the opposite team. And what is he doing? He's shutting them down. And they're not getting, you know, when you're getting targeted that much and the other corner is not basically getting that much work, that basically translate as a team really don't respect you. But at the end of the day, what they end up doing is they can't beat you. And what I mean by that is when you, a lot of times coaches, they'll take their game plan and they'll target one guy because they feel like that's where they can work that guy. He's that guy that most teams like Alabama, Mississippi State, University of Texas, they come after him. The problem is, is that at the end of the day, he shuts them down. And that's why I love his game. That's what makes him tough. And he's consistent. 
He is the best corner out there when you play in the 50-50 ball. That's the deep ball. There, there was a game last year down in Dallas at the AT&T Stadium, Cowboys Stadium, against the University of Miami. He was wearing number 22 last year. I watched that game. And the one guy that the University of Miami kept coming after was Christian Fulton. Miami came up short all game long. See, that's when you know you got a, a corner that's consistent, but he's tough and he's not afraid of competition. And when you have that mindset and you bring that to the next level, that's what's going to make you successful. And that's why I like him at that 61. They got a steal at 61. I, I think he's going to be the best second round player taken this past year, this past draft. He will be the guy that a lot of people are going to be talking about when it's all said and done. I, I hope you're right. And I mean, I honestly, I kind of agree with you. Like was with some friends and we were talking when the draft was happening and we were thinking, man, Christian Fulton's still on the board in the first round. I know Titans need help at cornerback. It's not looking as though Logan Ryan's coming back. And man, having him fall all the way to you in the second round, not having to trade up, not having to give away any draft capital, that just works out perfectly for the Titans. And when you're talking about fit, that's just something with his toughness, the type of mentality and physicality that the Titans secondary loves to play with. It's something that I'm really interested to watch and I think is going to be a real asset for Christian. And I guess, Denard, my next question for you is, you talked about this a little bit, but making the leap from college to the NFL, it's really a completely different game. How, with, make sure I'm, I'm being clear, a limited amount of practice, which is what looks like will be happening due to the coronavirus, what does Christian need to do to make sure he's good to go come game one? Because it is likely that the Titans will be calling on him to start early on. Well, right now, everybody is at a disadvantage. You know, I don't care what level, high school, college, or pros. I mean, right now, this, this virus really has affected every one of us, every phase, facet of society, whatever it is, we're going, all of us are in this thing together right now. The, thing, the number one thing that all of the players are doing, and right now, I would tell Christian, he's probably doing the same thing, is make sure that you're staying on, you're staying in shape. That's the main thing that you got to be doing right now. If you come into camp, because we don't know when the season's going to start. You know, we don't know what's going to happen. So once you get that call, boom, you know, you're off. And, uh, you, you're off to the races. So one of the things that they tell players all the time, and believe me, you will get cut if you're not in shape. Just because right now there's no, there's no workout, you know, regimen or uh, around the facilities, that don't mean that you're responsible for getting your work in. And you're starting to see a lot of guys posting on YouTube, you know, um, who that Antonio Brown was showing some of his work and Hollywood Brown, his little cousin now with Baltimore that's lightening up. They were, they had a garage, you know, had weights, a little track made. I mean, you got to be creative right now, but one of the things you got to do is make sure you come in in shape and you're ready to go. So I would tell guys right now, make sure you're eating right, make sure you're getting enough rest, but make sure you're, you're out. And if you get up early in the morning, you don't have to be around a lot of people to work out, but make sure you, you're staying on top of your game. And make sure you come in in shape. Whatever you do, don't come in out of shape. That's the worst thing that a player can do. Denard, as you, uh, you and I go on this journey and continue, one of the things you'll learn about me is I really do love pro football focus. I'll give them a shout-out. But when you're looking at Christian Fulton before the draft, his big board rank, they had him as the 12th best player based off production from his time in college. And they had this to say, Fulton is as sticky as it gets in the draft class. The LSU cornerback effortlessly stuck in receivers, hit pockets weekly, and got better in man coverage as the season wore on. When you're looking at the Titans right now, they're having a new secondary coach. And 
the defensive coordinator, Dean Pease, is retired. What is that going to be like for not just Christian, but the whole unit having to adjust to losing some of the key personnel calling the plays last season? It'll be tough at first. It's, it's like I alluded to last week. All of the coverages are typically the same. Everybody just runs it a little differently, but they all have the same concept. If you're a cover two corner, you know to get a jam and to sink. Some coaches may want you to sink a little deeper than others. So the terminology stays the same. It's just what happens is, is when you get a new coach, it's just, it's just another voice. Mm -hmm. Typically, as a player, it can transition from one place to the other because nothing changes. Everything is still the same. So one of the things when a new defensive back coach comes in, it's not so much the players have to adjust to him, it's him having to adjust to his players. So that's one of the main things that the defensive backs coach is going to have to do. I played for two of them. I played for Greg Brown for two years and Jerry Gray for the other two. And believe me, there was no difference. It's just that Jerry could be a little bit more hands-on. Mm -hmm. He maybe wanted you to do just a tad bit more, a little bit more jam, a little bit more of this than what Greg was asking for. So nothing really changes. And so what every coach, when they come in to a new place, what they're doing is saying, I don't want these players to have to get acclimated to me. I'm going to get acclimated to them. I'm going to see what their strengths and their weaknesses are. And that's the job of an assistant coach coming in is to get acclimated to his players. And once he gets acclimated, then he can be able to make the proper calls to put them in the right place to make plays. And that's really what all coaches going, especially with the virus right now, because you can't really get that coaching. You can't get that chemistry. Everything is done virtual now. And you just can't really get that by looking into a computer and trying to talk to eight or nine different guys. You need to be on a field so you can simulate what's going to go on on Sundays or Thursdays or Monday nights. And right now, everybody, when they come back, they're going to be, a, be at a disadvantage because they haven't got that work in. And if you ain't got, if you're not getting that work in, it's going to be hard to translate success uh, onto the field uh, right away. So we're probably going to see a lot of guys sluggish at the first part of the season. It's just, that's just what we're facing right now with this coronavirus. Denard, I'll take that question and, and your response and kind of transition from the coaching standpoint to the player standpoint. And when you were first coming into the league, how much did you rely on the veterans at your position to kind of help bring you along? I'm old school. See, when I came in 97, <laughs> veterans didn't talk to rookies. See, I kind of learned that I would just basically what I would do is I just kind of looked at what a veteran, what he does on a day in and day out. Whatever they was doing, I just, I just studied them. A lot of times vets, you had to earn their respect before they would say one word to you. You knew if, if there was lunchtime, you better not get in line first. You better wait till the veterans get through eating and then you can go get the scraps. That's kind of the way I kind of grew up in the NFL is always do not say anything, do not try to lead, learn to follow, but learn to hush. And the quieter that you become, the more you can hear, the more you can hear, the more you will know. And that's how I learned from Steve Jackson and Daryl Lewis, just by watching them on a day-to-day -day basis. And that's how I actually learned how to play was just basically just studying their every move. Because they didn't talk to me at first. I had to earn their respect. So I would tell any young guy coming in, it, times have changed. So a lot of guys are not doing that. They don't have that mentality now as opposed to 20-some years ago. But, you know, I've always taken a young guy by my side when I became a veteran and say, hey, this is how you do this. This is how you do that. I'm tutoring, I'm tutoring him. I'm giving him all of the details, everything that he needs to be successful because the reason that they draft a guy and pros know this is basically to replace you. 
You know, I hate to say that, but that's the truth. So guys are, you know, they're very, it's kind of a, a ticky tack thing when it comes to your job, because, you know, that's your job, but you know that sometimes he's here maybe to take your job, but I've always looked at it as it's, it's a way that you give back because that's something that I expect from other guys to do for me. Yeah. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I really do like the signing of Jonathan Joseph, who played with the Texas Texans organization for so long, because he understands coming in here and having a guy who knows the system has been in the league for a long time can really, as, as you mentioned, you would do take Christian under his wing and groom him into the type of cornerback you would want to see playing at a high level in the NFL. That, that's a, you know what, what you just hit it right on the mark. Listen, it's like this. Jonathan will be Christian's mentor for this whole year. And if I'm Christian, one of the things that I'm going to do, I'm going to get right in Jonathan's hip. And everything Jonathan does, I'm going to follow. Because that's why Jonathan has been in the league for about, what, 15 years now? And it's been a while. I'd it's been a while. He's put in some years. That's work. It's the same thing that happened, me at, uh, happened to me at Denver. You know, when I first got there, I was only in my fifth year. But they brought in Eric Davis, who was a great corner for San Francisco. Eric had already had 13 years in the league. So every, even though I'm considered a vet now, guys are looking at me like, okay, that's Denard Walker. He signed a big-time free agency free agent deal. I'm looking at Eric like, hey, this is Eric Davis. This is a guy that I watched since I was in eight, you know, eighth grade of the 49ers and all those Dallas and 49ers games. He's been through the battles. You know, he knows this game inside and out. He knows this business. So everything that Eric, Eric would do, I emulated that. Because if you want long-term tenure in this game, the one thing that you need to do is to get around a vet that has been through everything and he's got long-term tenure. And that's what Jonathan is. Jonathan's been in the game for so long, he's a proven vet. And I tell any young guy, whatever you do, get around a guy like a Jonathan Joseph, because he's going to teach you a thing or two. And I've always said that's the main thing that a rookie needs to do, follow a vet, because that's how you learn how to lead when you become a vet, by following somebody else first. Yeah, Joseph has been in the league since 2006 when he was drafted by the Bengals. It's a long time. That's one of the things I, I just I really look forward to watching is how this unit develops and is going to play without Logan Ryan being back and Logan would often play in the nickel covering the slot. And I know we've talked about this before, but I just kind of wanted to get your thoughts on it again with looking at the current roster, especially the cornerbacks for the Titans. It is looking as though Christian Fulton will be sliding into that role. What could determine whether or not he continues to stay there or they look to move him outside? Well, first of all, you got a young secondary, okay? So you bring in a vet like Jonathan. They're not just bringing Jonathan in just to mentor these young guys. They're bringing Jonathan in to compete for a starting position. Jonathan Joseph is not coming to Tennessee basically to collect $2 million and just sit on the bench. He's a proven vet. He's coming in here to win a position. So first of all, a lot of young guys need to understand when you get into the NFL, nothing's given to you. You got to prove it. You got to prove that you're worthy of getting on that field. So first and foremost, there's no for sure thing that Christian would be a day one starter or in the nickel. You know, one thing Coach Vrabel's going to do, he's going to let those guys compete. And it was the same thing kind of at Denver. Uh, when I went to Denver back in 2001, the secondary, the pasture, was probably the worst secondary in the NFL. What they did was they went out, signed Denard Walker. He came over from Tennessee. Okay, they went out. They had just 
um, drafted Delta O'Neill in the first round from California. Then that in 2001, they end up drafting another corner by the name of Willie Middlebrooks and then bringing in Eric Davis came in from Carolina. And one of the things that Mike did was he said, listen, nobody's got a starting job, not even Denard Walker, no one. I'm going to let you guys come in here and compete. Now, if the vet can win this, if he can win this job, then he's going to win this job. What that developed is it develops continuity. And that's what you want. You want guys to make sure they're accountable to one another. And that's what I love about Coach Rabel. He's going to do the same thing. He's not bringing Jonathan Joseph. He's not bringing him, him in just to mentor these young guys. He's not drafting Kristen Fulton to come in to be the day one starter. What he's going to do, he's going to put, if, if I keep eight or nine defensive backs, I want to know that out of the eight, out of those nine guys that I keep, that every single one of them can line up at any time, at any point in that game and be a, a starter. And if they're in there, that I don't lose a beat because there's nothing worse than putting a guy in that's not prepared to either play or he's not ready. So when you put on that uniform and you're getting paid a check, you got to be ready to go. And that would be my mentality as a coach is nothing's going to be given. You're going to earn the spot. If you earn your stripes, then you will play. And that's the mentality. When you instill that in guys, what you're doing is telling them that nothing's going to be given to you. And that's the mentality that I think Tennessee is going to take from here on out. Because if they want to make that jump, they got to have that mindset, that fighting, that fighting, that, that mentality, that just – that grit, that develops grit. And if you have that, that gives you a chance to win on Sundays. I couldn't have put it any better, Denard. I thought you did a great job on that. The last stat I did want to give you whenever it came to Christian Fulton. So according to Pro Football Focus, he was the only draft-eligible cornerback who didn't allow more first downs of 20 than he had forced incompletions, also 20. I think that really relates back to just him being able to stay in the hip pocket of the receiver he's covering. And when you're looking at his 40 time, I believe he ran a 4.46. Even though 4.46 is pretty fast, typically guys playing in the slot right now are running at a faster time than that. What's the best way to cover a guy that is typically faster than you are? It's easy. I'm going to break this down to you real quick, real easily, uh, David. This is an old, I learned this from the playmaker, Michael Irvin. Okay, Michael Irvin said this, and I'm gonna say it like Michael Irvin, but I'm not gonna scream in your ears. You know how you ever. <laughs> I love Michael Irvin. To I actually played against Michael Irvin my my first year at Tennessee. We played Dallas on Thanksgiving. I tell you, I got a picture in my room of the playmaker, me on him, and my hands right up in. I'm but right in his pocket, and that made my day just to touch Michael Irvin. I just want to tell you. But let me tell you this: Michael Irvin said this best. He says, I don't care what you run in the 40. Can you run a 4-2 or a 4-3 in the fourth quarter when some guys, when you're sweaty, you're tired, you busted up, a guy's been hitting you in your knee all game long? Can you run a 4-3? Can you get open when it's a third down and seven and you need to make a play? You're a receiver and you run a 4-2-40. Can you run a 4-2-40 in the fourth quarter when you done got your, your ribs all busted up? When you're tired, you're exhausted, you've been running all day long, that's where I want to see the 4-2 come into play, when the game is on the line. And you know how you can stop a guy who runs a 4-2-40 and you run a 4-6 or take a guy like Jerry Rice who ran, what, a 4-6 coming out of Mississippi Valley State? I think it was yet, slower than that. Exactly. But yet you always saw Jerry Rice, what? He was tearing guys up, wasn't he? Just eating them alive. Run away with it, man. Exactly. You know what that is? 
It's called mental fortitude. When I line up man on man on a guy in the slot on the outside, and if I develop the mindset, I don't care what he's going to run. I don't care how fast he is. When I put my hands on him, I learned from the great James Hasty. James was almost 40 years old. He played 16 years. I mean, when he was at Kansas City, played for the Jets. But man, I'm going to tell you something. He couldn't run no 40 at no, you know, he was about 36 years old. He probably ran about a 4-8. But I promise you, guys didn't get off the line. Because boy, when he got his hands on you, you wasn't going to do nothing. You, you were not going nowhere. That's the mentality that you have to have to play in this game. You got to have the mentality of, I don't care what you run. I don't care what you do. I'm going to find a way to win at all cost. And that's what you do between each play is that you got to figure out how can I win the next play? Even if I get beat, how do I come back? And that's what gives a guy an edge is how do you come back? I don't care. You know, when I used to line up against guys, it's weird. The guys that were the fastest guys were the easiest guys to cover because you knew what they were going to run, a go route. But it's the guys that was going to work you like the Hans Wards, who ran probably a 4-6 coming out of Georgia. But what did he have? He had a Hall of, he's had a Hall of Fame career. We see that day in and day out. I played against Henry Eller, 38 years old when I played him. I was running a 4-3. Henry Eller was almost 40 years old playing receiver. But he, he schooled me that day. Because it's, it's, it's not just speed. And that's what guys got to learn when they get to the NFL. It's not just about speed. It's about technique. It's about homing your craft. It's about going out there and knowing how to get open. I could cover a guy all day long if he's fast and I know what he's going to run. So that's one of the things that guys got to learn is you got to develop that grit, that mentality of no matter what, I'm going to win at any cost. That's what makes Tom Brady so great because he has the mentality that each and every play, I'm going to be better than you. And that's what gives you the edge right there. Denard, I love your coach speak, man. Bring bring it all the time, okay? I'm sorry. I got no, that dude, I'm, in, I'm entranced. I, I, got, I'm, I got, man, I, I must, uh, I'm going to get some tight suits now. Next week, I'm going to wear a <laughs> Michael. <laughs> I'm going to give me a tight suit. So you're going to see him in a real, I'm going to be in a real tight suit. And I'm going to break out like the Hulk next week. I got lost, man. I was like, I need to be thinking of what I'm going to transition from this. But I was just so into it. Well, I'm just giving you that perspective as a player because everybody gets so caught up. Like when we talked about, as you alluded to earlier about Christian and, and the targets and weekly and people get so they, they immerse themselves in like stats, but what they don't really see is the is when you look at a guy like Jerry Rice, you don't see the, the, the grit. You don't see the work ethic. It's not, and I'll tell people all the time, they always want to say, Denard, who was the toughest receiver that you had to cover? I said, they're all good. Every single guy that you line up on a Sunday, a Thursday, or a Monday, they can school you. And it's always the guy that you least expect. That's the guy who ends up schooling you. You know, I tell people all the time, I've covered Randy Moss, you know, in his second year when he was just eating people up uh, when he was at Minnesota and they was breaking all those records. But I held them down. But I tell you, there's another guy that I can't even mention his name that probably hit me for 150 yards and I still can't even think of his name today. I can't even think of this kid's name, but you know what? That's what happens when you let your guard down. You got to always keep your guard up. And that's what players, you got to teach these young players. You're not in college anymore. So don't look at a guy because he runs a 4-8 and be thinking, oh man, I run a 4-2. I'm 22 years old. I can school this guy who's 38 years old. Yeah, I thought that too until I got a baptism 
on Monday Night Football against my favorite player, Tim Brown. And Tim Brown couldn't – I know Tim. He, he lives in Dallas. I know he'll be on me today if he heard this. I know Tim probably run by the 4-9. But I guess – guess what? It was a long day on Monday Night Football for me having to play against him because he's a veteran. He knows how to work you. And that's what you have to learn to sustain a career in this game is that you got to know how to work. You got to know how to continue to be evolving, even when you don't have the physical attributes no more, that they don't kick in like they used to. Well, I'm going to try to find a way to get these, this last five minutes over to Christian, all right? Okay. I think he needs to hear man. <laughs> all right. But that is going to do it for us on our draft overview of Christian Fulton, Titan second-round pick. And we got just enough time for one question for this week's Tighten Up Mailbag. And as always, if you'd like to be featured in the Tighten Up Mailbag, you can message me on Instagram or Twitter at Davey underscore Hudson. And you can email Denard at DenardWalker45 at gmail.com. So get us your questions. This week, Denard, we got several questions, but they were all pertaining to the same matter. And so fortunately for you all, everyone's wanting to know about the NFL releasing their schedule and what the Titans 2020 NFL slate is going to look like. Fortunately for you all, Denard and I are going to do a special edition that's going to be released tomorrow on the Titans 2020 schedule. But to give you a little bit of a sneak peek on that, Question we're going to answer for today's Tighten Up Mailbag. Which game are you looking forward to the most for the Titans in 2020? Right out the gate, September the 14th, in my old stomping grounds, Denver, Colorado. I'm looking forward to that game. You got both the teams playing in that one. Oh, you know what? Just to know that you've been a part of both organizations, like you feel kind of a sense of not loyalty, but you just feel like, man, I, I, I can empathize with both locker rooms because I've actually sat in both. I've slept in both. I've laid in both. You know, I've bathed in both. And I'm just looking forward to see how that Denver team is going to respond coming out the gate. And I'm, then I'm also looking to see, is that Titans team ready to take that next step? I, I think this is a team right now, when I look at Tennessee, they're primed and they're ready to make that trip down to Tampa. They got all the pieces in place. And I don't see why they can't take that next step, but that really, to me, a lot would be determined. And I'm not saying it's, it's a win or lose situation, you know, where if we lose, it's, it's our season. But it's really gonna give you kind of a preview of what this team is about. It's gonna show their identity when they go down to Denver. And this is gonna be a great game because I'm, I'm just looking forward to see where Derek's gonna, is he going to pick up where he left off? I'm looking to see if Ron Tannehill, they just gave him all that. Ooh, they gave him a lot of money. Ooh, I don't even want to, I don't even want to say the amount that they gave him because it makes me mad that they didn't give it to me. But I'm just, it's just two teams that are well matched. I'm sure Jarrell Casey's going to be excited to face his former team. So this is going to be a game to me to see if Denver, you know, last year they finished seven and nine. You know, they were inconsistent. Of course, they had a young quarterback. But I'm also going to see if Tennessee is going to take that next step. And they're going to say, we're going to build off of last year. And we're going to take it to people. And that's, that's what I want to see from this football team that first game. I think that's a good answer, Denard. And if I'm having to pick, I want to go with playing the Green Bay Packers just because you got former offensive coordinator Matt LaFleur. And you're going up to Green Bay for what's going to be right now a Sunday night game, primetime NBC. 
but I'm actually going to switch it up, and I'm going to go to a game that's earlier that I think is going to have a lot to determine this season, but it's against Buffalo. Now, we're hosting Buffalo on Sunday, October 11th, but when you look at Tennessee and how they've played against Buffalo the last two years, those games have been pivotal, in my opinion. Unfortunately, this past season did not go our way. We lost that one 14-7. to And if you go back two years to 2018, Buffalo won it 13-12. to That game, man, I just remember watching Nick Williams drop that one ball. go. It went right through his hands. That game caught you a, cost you a playoff spot if you really want to kind of go back and look at it. So having that game early on, I think if Tennessee can win that one, that's just one that has cost them so much the last two years. Fortunately, they were able to rebound last season, make that playoff run. But having won that game early, which they should have, it just can control a lot of how the rest of the season is going to go. So I'm going to answer the Titans Week 5 game against the Buffalo Bills. That's a good one. That is going to do it for us on this week's edition of Believe in Titans. Denard, any closing thoughts? I don't know. We just let's just uh, cross our fingers and hope that uh, you know we'll we'll see some football coming pretty soon. Uh, you know, I know everybody right now. There's a lot of uncertainty, and just you know, just tell everybody keep their heads up. I know I'm trying to. I know it's tough, but you know, I, I think better days are coming. I've always said that better days are ahead of us. We just got to keep plugging away. So, yeah, just let's just snap and just kind of cross our fingers and hope we see some see some kind of sports. I'm right there with you, and that is going to do it for Denard Walker. I'm Davey Hudson. You have been listening to Believe in Titans on the Believe Podcast Network, and as always, tighten up. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.